Welcome to episode three of the Moving Pictures Movie Podcast. I, I, that's the only bit that I've scripted that I really wanted to say in the way I just said it. I'm Zach Jones, one of your co-hosts of the Moving Pictures Movie Podcast, episode three, the difficult third album, if you will. You will hear from my co-host Sean Knox in just a moment. He will be reviewing for you The Hangover 2 which I haven't listened to his review yet. I apologise, Sean. I will obviously listen to it during the editing process. I believe he did not like it. So that continues our tradition of negatively disrespecting every mainstream big release that we cover, from Pirates of the Caribbean to Insidious to The Hangover 2. While Sean is taking care of business, Hangover 2-wise, I will be doing some smaller, shorter, snappier reviews for you. Uh, a bit of housekeeping, going over some older films that we didn't get a chance to cover. Rio, the film about animated birds. The Adjustment Bureau, the film about non-animated humans, amongst other things. And Rabbit Hole, which deals with a very difficult issue of child death. I tried to approach that lightly, and I failed. So yes, that's the films we're covering for you today. It's about 35 minutes long, I believe, so the music is the editors from the album The Back Room. Good stuff. We, I'll say this now, every... Whenever the in, this, I'm obviously doing the intro now. Whoever does the intro selects the music for that week. So Sean will very likely pick the music one day and it will be awful, and I apologise in advance. So yes, thank you for listening, enjoy Sean's review, then enjoy my reviews, and enjoy the overall experience that is the Moving Pictures Movie Podcast. Thank you. So The Hangover Part 2 is our um, big review of this week, uh, left to me to do. Uh, it's directed by Todd Phillips, who um, has directed stuff like Old School, which I watched years ago and I, and I really liked. And he's directed um, uh, Due Date, which I haven't seen, but Zach says is terrible. Stars Bradley Cooper, Zach, oh, I really can't remember his names, Zach Galifiankis. Is that, is that right? I'm terrible with names, you will come to learn this. Um, and Ed Helms, uh, Bradley Cooper obviously in Limitless, which um, came out recently, and Zach did a review of it, I think. And uh, that that Zach Galifiankis guy is in um, quite a lot of stuff, but I haven't seen him in much. Zach likes him. I don't know that much about him. Um, the film is about these three guys, one of which is getting married, and... All he wants to do is have a bachelor brunch, as he calls it, but uh, his friend Bradley Cooper uh, convinces him to go and have a, some drinks on the beach with the bride's um, brother, the bride-to-be's brother, and their other friend, um, and things, something happens, it's a spoiler if I tell you what, and things, and they, they end up waking up in a unknown location in Bangkok the next day and they sort of have to work back and work out what happened the night before because obviously they can't remember a thing that happened. 
Um, first thing I want to say is, before I even start this review, is I haven't seen The Hangover 1. I haven't seen the original, which is probably um, you know something, something to be embarrassed about. Because everybody I know loves The Hangover. You know, it's, it's one of those cult films that everybody's always like, you know, bumming. Like, oh my god, The Hangover, quote, let's quote The Hangover, you know. They, they always talk about it all the time. Zach has seen The Hangover, and he told me to say something. Um, but I don't remember what I think he basically said that it's really funny, but the plot is there. I think that's basically what he said. Um, I haven't seen the first Hangover, though, and I should make that confession now. So I'm, I'm viewing this film as somebody who hasn't seen um, the first Hangover. But going into this film, I kind of felt like I was watching the first Hangover because they make so many references to jokes in the in the first film, um, which you know, as someone who hasn't seen the first film, I probably picked up on more than more than the people who have seen the first film. Um, you can tell because they're always just like making just the, there's just jokes. They make references to jokes which were in the previous film, and uh, they. They're always like, oh, do you remember when this happened? Or oh, this reminded me when that happened. You know, it happened a good five, six, seven times throughout the first, throughout this film, and that's too much, I think. I mean, you know, you can't really um, do that. And I, I, I'm going to come on to talk to talk more about um, how how they sort of live off the glory of the first film a bit later in their view. But um, generally, I don't like these um, sort of. I would call them dumb American comedies. Um, I used to just have a vendetta against all American comedies until I was shown the error of my ways. That was a very ignorant view. But like these sort of, I don't really know what they're called, but they're they're sort of like these comedies which are just about a bunch of guys who go out and do stupid, immature things, and you know the jokes are always just sort of quite dumb and quite crass, um, and, and quite and really simple as well. You know, I I don't really like these comedies because they they just seem like they aren't even really trying. It just seems like. They're just sort of recycling old jokes and just trying to push the bar as far as they can. And I don't really find those comedies particularly attractive. Um, I'm into more sort of a good script and sort of you know, witty jokes and things like that. So, you know, th this probably wasn't for me. But, uh, you know, uh, knowing that, I went into it knowing that it was one of these sorts of films. So I sort of adapted myself a little bit to it. Um, so I was, I was sort of aware of the context that this is what I was going into. And I am going to review it as sort of... You know, and no, 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 putting that sort of prejudice aside, but like the problem that I have, this is a problem I have both in general life and in this film, is this sort of lad culture which is present very strongly in this film. You about these guys who just want to go out and get drunk. Women are treated mostly as sex objects. Um, you know, they just want to get as drunk as they can and do stupid laddie things. Bradley Cooper's character drives this the most because he is sort of the ringleader, um, and he's he's really up for getting drunk and doing crazy, stupid things. And you know, he's 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 the mental one. And I just sort of think, grow up. You know, you're like thirty years old. Grow up. You know, it's it's bad enough that kids like like eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds like me are doing this sort of thing. Uh, but like a thirty year old, I mean, get a job. You know, get a life. I just I I don't I don't like. I don't like that sort of like mentality of somebody who goes out and just gets drunk all the time and you know and, and, and just wants to get as drunk as they possibly can and do silly things. So immediately I didn't like his character, but I think you are supposed to like his character. You're supposed to think he's really fun and interesting and all this, but I just I didn't. I, he's not the sort of person who I would like. He's not the sort of person I would want to hang out with, you know. 
but like that's the thing with this film because I watched it and it is very extreme the jokes and some some crazy stuff happens and you know the sort of, when they were sort of retracing their footsteps and stuff and you know you just sort of think what a what a mental night they must have had and stuff and at the by the end of the film my my the first thing I said when the film ended I turned to my friend I went to see it with and I turned to him and the first thing I said that's how much this film warped me was um, oh they think that's a mental night we have those sorts of nights all the time which is just such a laddie horrible cringeworthy thing to say now that I think about it in hindsight it's just like that's what this film does to people it makes them you know it, it sucks you in so much that you actually like wanna wanna like be like that so I have I have some moral issues with the film um, like there's the infamous strip club scene where uh, they walk in uh, to a strip club which they you know get a tip off that they went to the night before and you got this uh, Ed Helms's character he um well, firstly, there's, there's just a shot when they walk in of a woman shooting ping, pool, ping pong balls out of her one of her orifices. Um, and that, I just thought, was a little bit too far. I mean, I've seen some fucked up shit on the internet, but that was pretty... You know, on the internet, it's sort of like, there's no rules. This is supposed to be like a film. And it, was, it, was it only a 15? Sorry, I'm just going to check what it's... Uh, yeah, it was a fifteen. I mean, you know, that that for a fifteen certificate, you're getting things like that, and then and then of course there's the bit where they they go to um, they're asking a stripper there, sort of what they did last night, and you know trying to get sort of some info, and um, one of them, can you really spoil a comedy? I don't really think so. One of them basically reveals that Ed Helms's character, something perverted happened to him, and it's really sort of put in this really like bad like like he's like really freaking out i mean yeah you would if it happened to you but like it it almost makes it seem like um it's, it's homophobic the film basically i mean it, it it makes it seem like the act of doing that is just so bad i mean fair enough yeah he's a straight man and was taken advantage of yes that's funny ha 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 but like it it, it almost has this this sort of um passive thing against against that you know which which just felt a bit in, insulting um, you know, and a bit sort of like I don't. I just sort of think it shouldn't really be making, making you know it out to be a negative thing. I mean, some people are into that. Um, so there was that. I had you know some moral problems with the film, and obviously, like I mentioned earlier, this. I mean, I'm not. I've claimed to be a feminist before to try and uh, woo woo people over, but I'm not really a feminist. But even this film did offend me uh, for for the women's point of view. I mean, the women just sort of stood around. And let the men do it, and this sort of like you know they had the they had the sort of big sister mentality like oh you guys, and I was just like what you know you wouldn't do that these people didn't you wouldn't act like that that's not the way that women would act especially the bride of a, of of a man she's about to marry she finds out he goes on some some crazy expedition in Bangkok loses her brother, and then you know it's like oh you know we'll have the wedding anyway it's like well you know. You wouldn't. I mean, it's supposed to be her big day. They've gone all the way to Bangkok for for a, for a big wedding, and then you, this guy just hasn't come home the night before. I mean, you know, it's, it's just these these the women did not act in a realistic way at all, and they did just seem like they were there to be to to further the plot. Really, I mean, they weren't really the centre of any gags. They didn't really push any jokes or anything. They were just sort of they were just sort of there, you know. And they did you know it just felt a bit like they should have you know they should have acted more realistically. Um, also, this film as well. One reason it bugs me is because everyone always acts like it's so original and so different, and you know, oh, you know, The Hangover. It's one of those great films, and you know, and, and it, it, you can tell that the 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 writer, this Todd Phillips guy, 
knows that and he thinks he's so he's creating something so great and he thinks he's so smart and that nobody's seen anything like this before even though that the original hangover is almost identical to this from what i've gathered so this isn't doing anything new at all but it also reminded me loads of um dude was my car which i saw when i was really young and i loved but i've watched it since and hated admittedly but i mean it's not it's not groundbreaking this is my point this idea of getting and the thing is well okay i mean I've drunk, okay, and I am quite a heavyweight. You don't forget everything that happened the night before. You don't forget literally everything. And these guys, you know, it just, it just was a bit. It was just a bit silly, you know. The, the film was just a bit silly, and it was just crude, ridiculously crude, um, and and sort of. I mean, I don't want to sound like a prude or anything. I mean, I I can I can appreciate sort of a kind of a sick joke or like sort of darker humour. And stuff, but this film was just—it was just childish. It was just—it was quite—it just felt quite childish. And now, obviously, I've just bashed it for about ten minutes. But um, I don't want to—I don't want to say you know, the film. I didn't sit there hating the film the entire time. It did make me laugh on quite a few occasions. Um, it, you know, it sort of—it has its moments. It, ha you know, it works as a comedy. Um, I think anybody could appreciate the humor. I think everybody would find it funny. Um, at at some point, it's just uh, by the end you're sort of thinking, you know, come on, you know, that's sort of, you know, is there anything more to this than just gag after gag after gag, getting increasingly uh, more vulgar and pushing the bar more and more further from the realms of reality, and you're just sort of thinking like, you know, come on, try a bit harder, you know, try try a bit try a bit harder, and it just. Yeah, that, that's that's that 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 is the fundamental problem with it, really. And you know, it, it's it's. I'm going to come back to us earlier about her living off the glory of the first film. I've been told, obviously, having not seen the first film, that it is pretty much identical, and you can sort of tell that just by looking at the trailers of the first of the two films, which is just lazy and sloppy, and there's absolutely no excuse for it whatsoever, um, to make a film basically the same as as the previous film. Though saying that, I've had some people tell me that they thought this was better, and some people tell me that they thought the first one's better. So, you know, it's just if if you want a really dumb, uh, crude, and you know exactly what to expect, and you're prepared to lower your sort of your, your sort of you know tolerance for um, just kind of sick jokes. Then yeah, you know, you you could probably go into this film and enjoy. It. You could probably go in there, you know, have a maybe have a few drinks beforehand and have a laugh with your friends. Almost definitely, yes. Um, but going there to view it as a film, whether to see whether it's great or not, whether it deserves to be a, like up there with things like, you know, without mean some pretentious pieces of art like The King's Speech and 127 Hours. I mean, if I put it up there, that would be such an insult to those films because there 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 are so many problems with this film and this film is really going nowhere you know it, it, it's just it's it's just sort of it's it's the rock bottom as far as humor goes it's like you'll laugh but you'll feel cheap afterwards and as a film it's been done before and it's just copying the first film and there's nothing new nothing original about it and really you know shame on you Todd Phillips
Uh, hello, Zach here. Hope you enjoyed Sean's negative Hangover 2 review. Uh, and sticking with the negativity, I'm going to get the... Because what I'll be doing now is a few shorter reviews. And I'm going to get the one that I don't like out of the way first. Okay, we'll get all the negativity out of the way, then we can move on to some good stuff. I will be doing Rabbit Hole and the Adjustment Bureau in a few minutes. But first, let's cover Rio, shall we? Rio animated film by... I think they're called Blue Sky Animations, that might be wrong. They did Ice Age, I believe. And basically, okay, uh, the story is very confusing, so what I'm going to do is, for your benefit and mine, to avoid any confusion, any character that is a bird, I'll be incorporating the word bird into their name, okay? Jesse Eisenberg plays a bird who is some sort of rare bird from Brazil, right? And he gets kidnapped or birdnapped as a child, as a birdlet. And he is, I'm, I assume he's being taken to some sort of zoo or something in America. And he falls out of the van, and then he gets rescued by this young lady, played by Leslie Mann, or voiced by Leslie Mann. And they're living their life, you know, having some bird-human interaction. A few years later, this man from Brazil comes along and says, Hey, listen up, Leslie Mann, your bird is so rare that we need him to go over to Brazil and have sex with Anne Hathaway's Anne Hatherbird. <laughs> So basically the story is that these two birds are very rare, they have to mate, they have to procreate in order to keep their species alive. So Jesse Eisenberg gets the chance to go over to Brazil, where he doesn't really fit in because he's Jesse Eisenberg, and he's basically a bird incarnation of every character that Jesse Eisenberg has ever played. And Anne Hathaway's obviously a very free, sexy bird, <laughs> if birds can be sexy. And the whole story is about them being chased by this evil bird, voiced by Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords. It's a very silly story. It's really, really bad, the whole film. First thing that was wrong with it is the fact that before I even saw the film, I hated it because of the orange ads that Sean hated so much that he boycotted the film. And for me or Sean to boycott a film is quite extreme, because both of us obviously try and watch pretty much anything that comes out, even if we think it looks shit, like I did with Rio. And the film isn't quite as bad as the orange ads that produced due to the film's existence, but it's still really not very good at all. I mean, the, it's really, really not funny at all. That, that's my first issue. And these sort of films need to be funny. I mean, I, 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 I'm a huge fan of animation anyway, I should point out, particularly the Pixar films, of course. The Toy Story franchise is one of my favourite film franchises of all time. I'm actually literally, excuse me, while I burp mid-podcast, I'm actually currently watching Shrek, the first Shrek, uh, for my for the blog that me and Sean run, which you can also find in the uh, description of the podcast if you're interested in that. But basically, I like animation a lot, and it's difficult for me to find animation unfunny and unamusing. But Rio really, really took the biscuit or the cake, or whatever the phrase is, because it's horrifically unfunny. There's jokes that you know are supposed to be funny, but they just are like, ha ha ha, there's a fat man in a nappy dancing at the carnival. That should be hilarious, but it just isn't. I don't really know why, but it's not. The, one of the problems is that the voices don't fit properly. It's not that the voice acting is bad, because Jesse Eisenberg has quite a cool, interesting voice. Anne Hathaway's got a lovely voice, lovely woman, love Anne Hathaway. And they suit their characters very well. But the problem is birds aren't supposed to talk, are they? To the extent that, because they're parrots, they're like a form of parrot. And parrots already, sort of already talk. 
So they've already got voices associated with them. So when you change that voice, it just really doesn't look right. And the main problem is that the voices don't look right in the characters' mouths, and that's a really big problem. The only one that sort of works is the villain, who's called Nigel, for reasons that are never explained. Because he lives in Brazil, like, why would he be called Nigel? He's not from Stoke. But what's, you know, the problem is that Jermaine Clement puts on a really overly evil, villainous voice to try and fit the bird. And it still doesn't look right, but it definitely looks better than the other ones. So overall, Rio is just a pile of shit. <laughs> Without being too extreme, it is completely unwatchable. <laughs> Okay, it's not it's not that bad. Okay, if you're like four years old and you really like Will I Am, who's in the cast, well, what, what four year old likes Will I Am? What am I saying? I should also point out Will I Am being in the film bothers me greatly. Firstly, your name isn't Will I Am. You can't be listed in the credits under a pseudonym. It very much bothers me. The second problem is that one of the jokes, okay, and I don't want to sound like a racist. This is what happens. One of the jokes is that Will I Am and Jamie Fox are black. <laughs> because Jamie Foxx is also in the cast, because they play birds, and birds obviously aren't ethnic by any means, or they are sort of, I mean, they, they don't speak any bonics, for example. But in the film, Will I Am and Jamie Foxx basically say black person things. And this is, I'm only trying to sound moderately racist to emphasise the film's moderate racism. There's a part where the birds are supposed to sing a song and you think, haha, they're birds, they must have beautiful singing voices, as birds do. And Will I Am starts rapping, and I'm like, this isn't funny. This isn't funny at all. This is, if anything, borderline racist. Because this is only a joke because you've cast Will I Am. It's like we go, what's, what's Will I Am? Black. Let's base all the jokes about that. Horrible. <laughs> so I really, really didn't like Rio. So I've spent too much time on it, but we will move on to something better, something good in a minute. Uh, welcome back. I say welcome back. No time has actually passed in your world. Anyway, uh, we'll move on to more pleasant films that I actually enjoyed that aren't about animated birds and such. The Adjustment Bureau is what I'll start with. This isn't as new as most of the stuff we like to cover. It came out in about March, I believe. But I, li I saw it recently and I liked it and I thought I should cover it for you. The story, now I'll say this up front, the story is difficult for me to explain because there's certain information points that I don't want to give away, etc, etc. It's very sci-fi, it's very conceptual. What I will say is this, I, my rule of thumb is that if it's in the trailer, if there's any storyline points in the trailer, I, I, I can go as far as the trailer goes, basically. So here's my attempt to explain the summary of the story of the Adjustment Bureau. Matt Damon is a young politician, and he bumps into Emily Blunt in the bathroom, and he thinks, yeah, I like this girl. I like girls that hang around in bathrooms. So he sort of develops a, a, a free soul with a, I don't even know if that's a correct uh, French word, but whatever. He basically fancies Emily Blunt, right? And who wouldn't? Uh, and he then, there's a key event where he sees something that he shouldn't have seen. And the curtain, if you will, is pulled. And he basically discovers that the world is actually full of these adjustment men who make sure that everything goes according to plan, if you will. There is a sort of religious overtone here. Luckily, that's never stated. But these people are technically sort of angels. <laughs> but they never say that. Well, they do at one point say the word angel. But basically, these people are on Earth to make sure that everything goes according to God's plan. Only these words are never explicitly stated. 
Uh, the thing that's interesting, the thing that's actually good about the Adjustment Bureau is that it's the story. I think the story is very interesting. The story kept me very engaged the whole time. I'm a fan of sci-fi. Well, I will say this, okay, on Sean's behalf, uh, we don't necessarily, we haven't thought this year has gone particularly great film-wise. Our great films list is pretty scarce. And even more so, there haven't been a lot of films that we've even liked this year. There's definitely more negatives than positives. But one thing that's been good this year, I think, and I think Sean would agree with me, is sci-fi films. If you look at Never Let Me Go, Sean put that on the great films list. I liked Never Let Me Go. That's a sci-fi film in essence. Limitless I reviewed two weeks ago. I thought it was pretty good. I like Limitless. I like The Adjustment Bureau. Uh, Sean likes Source Code. So this film, if it's done, this year, excuse me, if it's produced nothing else of of note, it's produced quite a nice string of sci-fi films. And the Adjustment Bureau, the, the sci-fi concept, it's apparently based on a short story by Philip K. Dick, who wrote the story that the that Blade Runner is based on. So, you know, it's a, it's, he's a writer that's clearly familiar with sci-fi, X-File-esque storylines. And this whole idea of these people making sure everything goes according to plan, plan the theme of, you know, fate versus free will, choice versus chance, things like that, I thought was very interesting. And I thought it was handled really, really well in the sense that they actually use... There's one key part where they use his, the, the historical timeline of planet Earth, I guess, or of humanity, to explain how this adjustment thing has been working. Like, they, they reference, you know, the Dark Ages, the Renaissance, the Two World Wars. I thought that was very clever. I thought the whole sci-fi thing was handled really quite well. And what usually happens in these sort of films is that they eventually start to tie themselves into knots, storyline-wise, where they, you know, obviously, when you make up these sort of sci-fi concepts, you dig yourself into holes and you have to follow your own rules and it becomes very confusing. And even in something like Inception, which the Adjustment Bureau has been compared to, but I really don't think that's a fully fair comparison. In Inception, there are a few, a few plot holes and there are a few situations which confuse people because they sort of tie themselves into knots. It's not confusing if you actually watch Inception and pay attention, but my point is there's that story, you know, there's almost uh, backing yourself into a corner. And in the Adjustment Bureau it would have been very easy to do that because this is such a high concept, not high concept, this is such a, it, you know, this is such an intense, detailed concept. But they don't really tie themselves into a knot. And the other thing I liked about the story is the actual love story between Emily Blunt and Matt Damon's characters, I think, is very well done. Because love stories are usually based on a, a conflict or something being put in between the two parties. And, it's you know, it, it, there couldn't be any more larger odds than basically God himself saying that these two people aren't meant to stay together or be together. So I think it, I think it was a very solid story. The problem is that while I think it's a great story, it's not a great film really, there's no outstanding filmmaking elements involved. The performances are good, they're really nothing memorable, and as an actual film it's a bit too Hollywood, a bit too safe, a bit too sturdy for me to put on the great films list. Because, I mean, I'm all for the Hollywood formula, right? And when it works well, properly, it can be like The Fighter, which is on our great films list, where every single aspect of the storytelling is done almost perfectly, and the performances really stand out. And in The Adjustment Bureau, it's not really the case. It's definitely not a great Hollywood film, but it is a good Hollywood film, and I do think it's a great story, purely on a storytelling level. So, yeah. Adjustment Bureau, I would recommend. It's not quite good enough to get on the list, but if you like sci-fi, if you like the trailer, I would definitely watch it. I, th I really did like it. A lot more than I expected to, so that's the Adjustment Bureau.
Okay, predict predictably, <laughs> my reviews have been longer than I thought they would be, so I won't spend as much time on Rabbit Hole as, as I maybe would want to. I'll say this straight away. I don't remember the name of the guy that directed Rabbit Hole, right? But I do remember who, where I know him from, okay? I saw a film once, which I was slightly, slightly regretted afterwards, because it was basically pornography. <laughs> uh, it was called Short Bus. Right? It's the most explicit film I've ever seen. Not, I mean, and I, I, I don't get the wrong idea by that, because I've seen a Serbian film which, if you don't know what it is, I wouldn't recommend looking it up. It's very, very dark. It's got some very disgusting things in it. But that isn't necessarily explicit. You know, you know that when the woman's getting decapitated while taking it from behind, for example, that it's not real. Whereas in Short Bus, it is just a collection of scenes of people legitimately having sex with each other. So it's the most explicit film I've ever seen. And uh, while it's not a bad film by any means, you know, I definitely didn't know what I was getting myself into when I saw it. So I, when I first heard about Rabbit Hole, and it's, it's basically about a couple grieving over the loss of their son. That's basically the story. Uh, the couple in question, uh, what's her name? Shit. Nicole Kidman and Aaron Eckhart, who is known probably m mainly for being Two-Face in The Dark Knight. Uh, but my point is, when I heard who was directing it, and the only thing I know him from is Short Bus, this, the uh, pornography film. It's not pornography, obviously. It is a narrative film. It's just extremely... It, uh, it's basically as explicit as a film can be. Okay, there's full penetration, there's cocks are flying, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that I did not know about. So I, I was interested to see Rabbit Hole, because this guy's clearly someone that takes a lot of risks, somebody that's very interesting, somebody that doesn't necessarily play by the rules. And uh, that is that was kind of what I got. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not saying I expected full frontal sex in Rabbit Hole. That wouldn't fit in with the story. But I was interested to see what the guy would do. And it's, it's an interesting film. It is very dark, it's very brooding, it's very emotional, it's very depressing, it's very sad. Uh, it reminded me mostly of Blue Valentine from this year, in the sense it's very, very uh, simply made. It's basically the camera focusing on these characters, these characters being sad, being depressed, saying things to each other. Very simple. Not a lot of, you know, high wire acts, not a lot of set pieces, anything like that. Uh, it's not as good as Blue Valentine, in this, purely because it doesn't achieve as much. Blue Valentine is, is a very good statement of relationships falling apart, whereas Rabbit Hole doesn't really achieve anything in the end, which is sort of its point. But it's quite a sort of... It, not an indie film, okay, that's completely not the right word, but it, it's a film for serious filmgoers. It's not the sort of thing I would expect people to go to the cinema to watch, but if you're interested in actual acting and emotional stories and things like that, I do think Rabbit Hole hits all the levels. I did like Rabbit Hole quite a lot. I think both the performances were extremely overlooked. <clears throat> Aaron Eckhart, I think, is brilliant in the film, to, I, I, to the extent that I think he should have been nominated for all the awards last year. He shouldn't have won, because obviously Colin Firth should have won the Best Male, and if anyone should have come second, it should have been James Franco, that's just my opinion. But, uh, you know, he's probably the fourth best, or third or fourth best male performance I saw last year. Loved it. Natalie, uh, Natalie I, keep, I keep going to call her Natalie Portman. Uh, Nicole Kidman is also really, really good. She was nominated, I think she was nominated for Golden Globe, which doesn't mean as much because there's a lot more nominations in the Golden Globes. But it's still an achievement. Uh, she's, you know, not quite as impressive as Aaron Eckhart, in my opinion. If anyone is interested, my favourite female performance of last year was actually Michelle Williams from Blue Valentine, which I just mentioned. So overall, Rabbit Hole, you know, watch the trailer, 
you'll kind of know what you're getting yourself in for. If you're into that sort of thing, you'll enjoy Rabbit Hole. I liked it a lot, and it is my sort of film. It was quite intense, I will say that much. I mean, it, it, it really, really dwells on the loss of, of a child. If you're a parent, firstly, if you're a parent, I'm not really sure why you're listening to our podcast, if you're one of our 20 downloads. But, I mean, if you're a parent, maybe it's going to be hard going because, it, you know, of the subject matter. But I did like Rabbit Hole a lot. So, yes, those are three films for you. Rio, rubbish. <laughs> Adjustment Bureau, very interesting. Really liked it. Rabbit Hole is very good. I mean, it, it's a difficult film to do, and I think it did it very well. So that's my reviews for you this week. I don't really feel like I'm on ball today, I'll be honest with you. I don't feel like these are my best reviews. I, I, I don't know if I'm just not in the mood, if I've left it too late to do them. I haven't exactly hit these ones out of the park. The problem also is that I saw Rabbit Hole a while ago, so you know it's not fresh in my memory. And even Rio, I just I've blocked from my memory because I hated it. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Sean's Hangover Review, my couple of short reviews there. We'll see you next week. Not really sure what we're up to next week, but tune in. Should be fun stuff. Thank you for listening. Moving Pictures. Check out the blog and check out the podcast you already have. What am I saying? Goodbye.